<laughs> G'day guys, how are we? Uh, of course, I am Josh and I'm joined with uh, my lovely co-host that is Dane. Dane, how are you? Not too bad yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Been, been a bit busy today. My day has consisted of two halves. It's either been sleeping or setting up a, a new tank that I got. So that's been fun. Either or, I reckon that's um, probably our ideal day. <laughs> yeah, something like that, something like that. Um, we're going we're gonna to start off today's uh, episode just by mentioning a couple of things that have happened recently. Um, so for starters, the unfortunately, the VHS event that we were hyping up over the last two uh, episodes has unfortunately uh, taken a hit due to COVID and is being postponed until 2022. Um, although what that does mean is that, fingers crossed, LHS might have their setup ready to go, uh, depending, again, on COVID and their uh, own internal headaches that they have to deal with. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, unfortunately, that is something that we're going to have to deal with for a while now, the way that everything's going, but it is what it is. Um, as well as that, we both Dane and myself want to give a massive shout out to uh, Mr. Kyle Chalmers of Casey Critters uh, for his massive efforts at the Olympics representing Australia this year. Uh, congrats, mate. Well done. Um, if you don't already follow KC Critters on all the social media platforms, definitely go out and do it. Kyle's got an awesome collection ranging from blue tongues to frill, frill dragons to green tree pythons and everything in between. Uh, and he's a great bloke as well. So we're going to start off today with our usual story time and Dane's going to lead it off with a story. And then I'm going to talk about another story that is kind of related. Um, so Dane, go for it. Yeah. So, um, the start of the, uh, I guess it's not too much cringy, but the start of the year, uh, me and my partner, we took a trip to Adelaide. Uh, I don't know if people are aware, but we're from Melbourne. So, and we drove there, it was about eight hours. We just stayed in not too far out of the CBD, probably 10 minute drive. Um, so there's this big river that runs through the CBD. I'm not hundred percent sure on the name of it, but there's, you know, it's pretty busy. It's been within the heart. Uh, and we were walking. We were, no, we weren't walking. We were skating along it. So uh, I had my inlines on and my partner had her roller skates on. And as we're, you know, rollerblading down this river, it's quite a nice view. You see all the greenery, plenty of people out fishing up the river. Everyone else is walking around. It's, it's a perfect day. Uh, there's a couple of trees we come up to and my partner's like, she stops and she's like, dang, look. And <laughs> yeah, dang, look. <laughs> it got my attention. All right. Uh, there was what I'd like to call the Bermuda triangle of trees as you kind of would put it, I guess. So there's three trees, trees that are in a triangle and at each tree, there was a Eastern water skink in the hollow of each tree. <laughs> and I didn't notice there was one in each tree until later on, but coming up to that, I was obviously taking photos of the ones I could see. They all ran off and we'd, we'd sit there and wait and they come back out. We weren't intentionally going to Adelaide to herp or anything like that, but I did manage to get some photos of this one, ran back in uh, and we saw another one fucking at the very point of this bloody 
Bermuda Triangle of trees, this massive fucking skink. I couldn't tell you if the ones we saw were juveniles or adults. I'm pretty sure they're adults because this thing was like a solid, I don't know, what would you call an eastern water skink? How, how big do you reckon that is? About 20 centimetres at most? Oh, yeah, from, from snout to tail tip, yeah, probably. Yeah, well, this thing was like 30. It Jesus. was cute. <laughs> the thing was a unit. Jeez. I don't even know. If, well, I knew it was a skink, but fuck. And this thing wouldn't come back out. We saw it twice. <laughs> oh, no. So, don't you hate that? You know, as we did, we got photos of the two we did see, walked away, got halfway back into the CBD, and I had a, the nice bright idea of turning back around, walking all the way back and trying to get another photo of this fucking skink. I just didn't want to give up. This thing was huge. Like, when was the next time I was in the CBD? Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, oh gee, that, yeah. This <laughs> this reminds me of a, another story, not related to the one that I was going to talk about, but uh, we'll, we'll 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 work on this one. Um, so one of my favourite spots to go herping is a, a local regional park called uh, the Yuyangs. Um, yes. And the the very first time we we went down there, uh, specifically for herping purposes, it was obviously because it's local. We've been there for you know, been the heaps of times, but um, specifically for herping, the first time I went down there, um, the, this is the one and only time that I've seen a black rock skink there. Oh. And I sat there and waited and just watched it because I wanted it to come out into the sun so then I could get a bit of a better photo because I was using a bit of a dodgy camera at the time. Yeah. But it just decided it just wasn't. So it just <laughs> ran off. And I've never seen a black rock skink or anything in that particular spot since. And I look every single time hoping never. There's apparently supposed to be shinglebacks, the Yangs too, which I not would also confirm, but there's, you know, there's supposed to, to be, there's supposed to be a lot of things that the Yangs, but all I seem to find is striped skinks and bloody Jackie dragons. <laughs> oh, that's it. I mean, fair, I'm not, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's always good fun sitting there watching a Jackie Dragon for 10 minutes running around waving and bobbing its head. Yeah, but how much better would it be if you saw a bloody earless dragon run across the road? <laughs> imagine, imagine the, the species that hasn't been found for 50 years and is probably extinct just magically pops up at the Yu Yangs. You never that would know. It's possible. That would be nuts. The other story that I was... Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. The, the other story that I was going to uh, tell... Um, was uh, with with myself, my dad, and uh, uh, an, another uh, friend of mine. Who, if you're listening, you you will know who you are. Um, we decided, based on a tip off, uh, to herp uh, at a, a particular gorge uh, area, uh, not far from uh, where I live, uh, looking for uh, red belly black snakes. And um, of course, my genius brain at the time was like oh yeah what's the what's the temperature 35 degrees what's the time about lunchtime yep what could possibly go wrong <laughs> so we we walk through scrub and basically we're walking on a dried up riverbed and it's just stones everywhere it's like twist your ankle and you're done for basically um for three hours we walked through the bush um 35 degrees, probably a little bit warmer than that in the actual, because it was right on the bottom of the ridge. Um, and then 
eventually, as we were about to turn back, bam, it's uh, one of the biggest red bellies that I've ever seen and still seen, like captive, wild, you name it. It is the biggest I've ever seen. Oh, wow. It pops its head up and we just start screaming. <laughs> in, in pure joy, it's like, oh, my God, finally the target species. We'd found jackies. We'd found some frogs and bits and pieces as well. But to see that was oh, just incredible. Just incredible. Um, now, we're also going to have a, a slightly new segment, which is going to be uh, the fortnightly whinge. Um, just because, why not, you know? Um, now, mine for this, uh, this episode is going to be uh, about um, particular Facebook groups. Now, what I'm going to use as an example is, uh, so there's plenty of carpet python groups, Dane, right? Where you've oh, got, I see. You know, you've got, you've got, you've got diamond python groups, you've got jungle carpet groups, you've got coastal carpet groups, inland carpet yep. groups, blah, 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 pure carpet groups. It just seems ironic to me and completely against the point of having a group for a particular type of animal to let posts for other animals in. Yeah. So like I was, I was sitting there the other day scrolling a, a jungle carpet group and I've just seen all these jags and I'm like, hang on a minute. This is a jungle group. That's not, that's not how that works. <laughs> um, what? And then I was, I was, I've since left a couple of groups cause I got sick of it, but uh, in a couple of pure carpet groups and you just see all of these mud blood posts. And I'm like, hang on a minute. What's the purpose of this group again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's not it. <laughs> so basically, people, if you're going to start a Facebook group dedicated to a particular type of animal or species or morph, whatever it is, hold it to that um, instead of letting random stuff in. It's not that hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, There's a reason why they, people would join a particular group is to see that particular animal. Exactly. If they want to see a jag, they're going to fucking join a jag group. Exactly, exactly. It's like, um, you know, even in some of the... Uh, like Northern Blue Tongue groups that I used to be a part of, which was, you know, yeah. currently is and uh, was previously one of my main things. You just get these either morph posts of known mixed animals or random Indonesian skinks popping up in these groups. And it's like, well, yeah. that's not, neither of those fit into that category. Why? Mm. Um, so as I said, the moral of this story is people, if you're going to do a dedicated Facebook group, Keep it dedicated. Otherwise, don't bother. <laughs> There's enough Facebook groups out there as it is. We don't need another 10 of the same post. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds harsh, but if you're going to make a group for a particular purpose, hold it to that purpose at least. Exactly. Like, you don't see the elapid groups with Python posts or skink posts. You don't see skink groups with dragon photos. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hold it to what it's supposed to be. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the, the whinge. Um, now, today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, a particular Zoos Victoria Zoo that both Dane and myself absolutely love. Uh, we're going to be talking about Melbourne Zoo. Um, so, Dane, let's hear your uh, thoughts and memories of Melbourne Zoo, because I know it's been a little while since you uh, last ventured down that way. Yeah, a hot minute, I reckon. Uh, we used to go down there easily twice a year, at least when I was quite young, uh, you know, about primary school age. You know, we'd have all our school excursions there. Um, 
I can't. Yeah, it's been quite a few years since I've last been to Melbourne. I couldn't uh, tell you what's there anymore, but <laughs> uh, so it would be interesting. I know Josh has been definitely more recently than me, and if not memorized everything that's there. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Um, From what I remember, yeah, go on. I have good memories. I have good memories there. I have heard stories about people stealing turtles from Melbourne Zoo. Oh. Like just chucking them in their backpack and going home. I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I can Apparently probably, I reckon I can guess where that would have been too. Oh, yeah. You'd know the person too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So- all righty. Let's, let's, let's talk about Melbourne Zoo, shall we? So, uh, Melbourne Zoo is part of the, the three uh, Zoos Victoria parks. So uh, under that umbrella, you've got Werribee Open Range Zoo, which is around the corner from us. Uh, Melbourne mm. Zoo, which is in the, the city of Melbourne, uh, obviously. Uh, and Hillsville Sanctuary, which is more uh, northeast uh, of, of uh, Melbourne CBD. Um, Melbourne Zoo, unlike the other two, really doesn't have a theme. So open, Werribee Open Range is uniquely African animals with a splash of other things here and there. Hillsville is only Aussie stuff. Melbourne Zoo is kind of a hodgepodge of a bit of everything, um, yep. which really makes it a well-rounded collection. Um, now, for me, it's been probably almost two years since the last time I was there, purely because of all the lockdowns and stuff, and I've been waiting for everything to calm down a bit before I can get back. Um, to put that into perspective, that's really foreign for me. Uh, with uh, since I was since I can remember, basically we've had a zoo membership, and almost every school holidays we would do all three uh, of the zoos, Vic zoos. So um, when Dane says I basically know can memorise what's there, I pretty much can. Um, same with all the talks. I reckon I can rattle off the Werribee zoos uh, bus talk almost committed to memory already. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> it, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we, got, we used to go a lot, a lot, a lot, um, which has been fantastic as well. And uh, I've been able to notice a lot of changes as well uh, over the years. Um, so what I've done uh, in preparation for this episode is I've gone through the wonderful forum that is Zoo Chat and picked out some important bits of information regarding uh, the, the Melbourne Zoo collection. Um, so for starters, we're going to list off the species that are only kept at Melbourne Zoo and nowhere else in Australia, um, and then we're going to go from there. So for the species that are only kept in uh, Melbourne Zoo, we've got the collared peccaries, uh, which is a group that has, I think from memory, it started off at almost like six individuals and has slowly dwindled. Um, you've got the Mississippi map turtle, uh, spiny terrapin, painted wood turtle, uh, which are all part of the, the reptile house group, of course. Uh, the Hornsfields tortoise, uh, twist-necked turtle, uh, rainbow boa, Kenyan sand boa, California king snake, Honduran milk snake, Puebloan milk snake, and Cantor, which is a species of viper. Um, now, of course, for anyone who listen is listening from overseas, you're probably thinking, hang on a minute, those are all common pets where we are. Um, Fortunately, oh, unfortunately, the case in Australia, fortunately, unfortunately, so it depends on how you look at it. Uh, the way Australia works is we can only keep natives as pets here. Um, so anything and everything that is commonly kept overseas is rare here, basically. Um, that that's would be why, you know, rainbow boas, Kenyan sand boas, California king snakes, that sort of stuff, the milk snakes 
are only kept at Melbourne Zoo. Um, unfortunately, uh, and then yeah, the yeah, natives only just to, just to add to that, the natives only only apply to reptiles, uh, not birds yep. or fish. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, so. What was I saying? Oh yeah, Melbourne Zoo. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these animals are only in single singles or small groups, um, and with not, at least as far as I know, not many plans to breed them. Unfortunately, um, which does seem to be a bit of a reoccurring theme with Melbourne Zoo over the years. They tend to uh, err on the side of caution of breeding things. Of course, that would be in relation to stud books and that sort of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, so that's the species that are only kept at Melbourne Zoo and nowhere else in Australia. So you can see there they've got uh, 12 species, um, which if you look at through the list is the most uh, out of the rest of Australia zoos that are only found at Melbourne Zoo. So they've yeah. done quite a good job in collecting quite the range. Um, of course, some of these animals are going to be on and off display depending on um, what's going on at the park at the time um, as well. But I think that's quite an interesting point to, to make. Um, now, uh, just to give an, a general idea of the, the layout of Melbourne Zoo, um, there's, it's sort of broken up into specific areas. You've got basically a line straight down the middle, which is the big road, and then offshoots from that. Um, so one of the first offshoots is the, the reptile and amphibian house uh, and the giant tortoises with the side of meerkats and platypus on that sort of side. Um, and then if you go behind that stuff, you've got, uh, the tapirs, which we're going to come back to later because there's an interesting story about those. Uh, the peccaries and the, uh, what are they, hemadrias baboons, I think they are. Uh, and then that leads into the Australian section, uh, which has got bird aviaries, koalas, kangaroos, you know, standard stuff. There's things that tourists want to see pretty much. Um, then on the other side, you've got their recently upgraded uh, predator area, uh, which has got uh, African lions, uh, um, African wild dogs or painted dogs, depending on who you ask, depends on what they call them. There used to be a Philippines crocodile. Um, unfortunately, uh, Isabella did pass away. Uh, she was one of the few breeding Philippines crocodiles in uh, Australia, um, but I have heard whispers of them being imported soon to kickstart that program as there's only a handful of animals left um, in, in Australia. Uh, what else is in that area? Uh, snow leopards, which uh, Melbourne Zoo recently imported a whole bunch more of those. Uh, they used to have quite a few uh, and they've been very successful with breeding those. Uh, tigers, uh, all of Melbourne Zoo's tigers, I believe, are pretty much related to one litter. Um, so obviously there's not going to be a whole lot of breeding plans going on there. Um, the Going back to the Philippines crocodile, that enclosure has since been turned into a uh, an upgrade for their reticulated pythons, blood pythons, uh, reticulated python, blood python, and Chinese beauty snake, I think it is from memory, um, which have moved in there with a bit of butterflies as well, which is an interesting cohab. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw that uh, on the news the other day and I was like, ah, that's uh, that's interesting. Don't see that every day. Yeah. Um, so that's like the, the main entrance, or actually it's the back entrance. The back entrance is always better to go to because the main entrance is always too full as a, as a tip for anyone who wants to go to Melbourne Zoo. Um, and then you've got the oceanic section, I suppose, which has got your seals, your uh, little or fairy penguins, depending on who you ask. Um, what else have they got? A couple other penguin species there as well. Saltwater fish, pelicans, you know, usual stuff. 
Uh, and then if you keep going along that route, you'll get to, uh, what have we got? There's like a little kid's playground area, a food stop, um, and a big Amazonian aviary, which has got uh, cake parrots and macaws and a couple other bits and pieces in there. Um, and then if you keep walking along that kind of road going towards the back of the park, uh, you'll end up in the, the Japanese garden, which is where you've got turtles in the water there. You've got, uh, I think it's koi or goldfish, one of the two. Um, and there's some uh, cotton top tamarins, I believe, from memory, uh, and some siamangs or simiangs, again, whoever you ask, depends on how you say it, uh, species of primate, basically, um, which uh, Zuzvik previously has, from what I have been told, uh, previously had a much larger collection of, but uh, obviously as things age, things die out, and that's the way it is. Um, that's most of that side of the park. Obviously, you can't forget uh, one of my personal favourites is the, the brush turkey exhibit. There's a whole story to go with that, uh, which we may or may not talk about in today's episode or in another one. Uh, about why I love that and have to go and see that animal every single time. Um, again, that's a whole nother story. Um, but then you've got the uh, some of the leftover tortoises, the, the big big tortoises, I think. I don't know if they're Galaps or Aldabrans or one of those. I think they're Aldabrans, I think, but don't quote me on that. I'm not, I'm not too well-versed with my tortoises, to be honest. Um, and they've got uh, Bolivian squirrel monkeys and that sort of stuff in that rough area and a bucket load of meerkats. One thing that Zuzvik absolutely loved to death is their meerkats because they're a moneymaker realistically, uh, but there is far too many of them at Melbourne Zoo, if I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> There's about four different areas where you can see meerkats if you've never seen them before. Um, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just because you can. Um, and then the other side of the park. So that's all, that's pretty much the one side of the park. Um, and there's obviously a few other bits and pieces here and there as well. Uh, but on the other side of the park is the, the main, uh, money makers, I suppose the main draw cards. You've got ringtail lemurs also that share their home with Eastern Gippsland hybrid, whatever they are, uh, water dragons. Um, definitely look out for the water dragons whenever you're there. I always uh, have more fun spotting the water dragons than the lemurs, to be honest, but that's just me. Maybe I'm weird. Who knows? Uh, then that leads off to their uh, white ruffed lemurs, which is a, a not so commonly kept species in the region. Uh, and then that goes into gorillas. Um, ah, what else is along that route? Uh, gorillas. Then there's, oh, that leads up to the, uh, the uh, primate monkey enclosures. Uh, just prior to that, they've got cassowaries, I think, now. That used to be home to the mandrills, but they uh, of old age since passed. Uh, so in the, the the monkey primate enclosures, they've got capuchins, they've got uh, gibbons, uh, and a few other bits and pieces. I'm sure I'll go through the list here uh, in a minute. Uh, and then that leads into... Yeah, back around, and then you've got the, the main Asian section, I suppose is what you'd call that, um, which has got orangutans. Uh, what else is down there? Uh, pygmy hippos, although that's not not Asian, I don't think. Anyway, uh, otters. Um, what else is down that way? Oh, elephants, of course, the Asian elephants. 
which are potential uh, in the next few years, they are going to be moving to Werribee Zoo. Um, and there's some chatter around what that area may become. Nobody really knows as of yet. Um, of course, like anything with zoos, Vic, they'll come up with it once everything's gone um, and then go from there. So that's going to be really interesting because that's a lot of space that's going to be able to be repurposed for something else. Um, and I'm sure the elephants are going to love uh, the, the Werribee Open Range space that they allocated uh, as well because that's going to be a massive upgrade as well. Um, I think that's about it. Obviously, we can go into more specifics about different species, but we'll we'll save that for a, a couple of minutes. Um, that's the the crux of the Melbourne Zoo collection, I suppose. They've kind of got everything grouped into certain areas based on, or most of it is grouped into specific areas based on their region and where they're from. Um, but as I said at the start of the the, the show, uh, Zoo's Vic uh, Melbourne Zoo has got uh, really quite the menagerie. Um, let's see. Oh, feedback. Hang on. Don't mind me. Uh, yep. Asian elephants, zebras, of course, can't forget the zebras and the, uh, giraffes as well. Um, I did say we were going to talk about the, the tapirs. That's an interesting story. Um, so from memory, uh, I don't know if they still do or not, but Zuzvik has, uh, two different, um, populations, uh, two different species, sorry, of uh, tapir. Um, one is the uh, Malayan tapir, and I believe the other is the Brazilian from memory. Um, unless they've moved the Brazilian on, I'm just reading here. I'm not too sure if they still have that one or not. Uh, but the, the Malayan tapir is rarely seen on exhibit, at least it has been for years uh, because it doesn't cope well with the Australian sun. Um, and it's, there's just a note here that uh, all individuals of the Malayan tapir in Australia are now blind, which is very interesting. Uh, oh, obviously, wow. that, that UV radiation from the Australian sun really doesn't work well with their, uh, with their eyes. Um, and the, the, so there's the, the two different types of uh, species of tapir, just for, for references, the, the Brazilians are more like a brownie colour. Uh, whereas the Malayans are like split down the middle, one side's black and one side's white. They're quite an interesting animal. And I have not personally seen the Malayan tapir at Melbourne zoo, uh, because usually what they used to do when they had both, I don't, I, again, I don't know if they still do. I haven't been there for eight, uh, a little while. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit out of touch with what's at the zoo and what's not. Um, but what they would do is they'd have the Brazilian out during the day and then on closing time, they would switch them. Um, oh, okay. because they have, they had a, a, a behind the scenes, uh, holding area, I suppose. So just so that the, the Malayan could have that roaming time because the, the tape air exhibit, although it's probably a bit outdated, um, was, is quite interesting the way it's set up. It's got a massive big, uh, pool at the front. Um, and then just a, a, a walking area basically around it. Um, uh, because tape are one of those species that love to do their business in the water. Um, it's believed that is because, uh, in the wild, what they do is, uh, go down to rivers and creeks and do their, do their business. Uh, and then because it gets washed away, predators don't know that they've been through that area supposedly. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's an, an, an interesting little, uh, little tidbit there. Um, the, the I mentioned the, the pygmy hippos, uh, Melbourne zoo, uh, 
was successful in breeding them a couple of years ago now. Um, they've since split up that group, I believe. Um, I'm just reading here. The, the baby from them, I think, went to Adelaide um, from memory. Um, yeah. And then the, let's see. Uh, okay, so the female passed away uh, the year after giving birth to the baby. Um, and the only pygmy hippo left at Melbourne Zoo is the male. Um, that exhibit is uh, another one of those ones that's probably a little bit on the wayside of outdated, although it's still a fantastic setup for that purpose. Um, what they used to do was they'd have a pygmy hippo on either side um, and these big glass panes so you could see through the water. Um, there was a time where they had fish in them as well. I don't remember. I think from memory they were just goldfish, I think. Um, I have seen African cichlids done in other zoos as well, which is quite would be quite a cool thing to see. Um, but that's since been set up for peccaries, I believe. They've moved the peccaries into that spare one now because they've only got the one left. Um, what else have we got here? Did I mention giraffes? They have giraffes. Um, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fairly limited group. Um, I think they've got a bit of a, a mixture of males and females there. I think there's only three or four of them from memory. Um, uh, a little tidbit for you is that uh, Mel, uh, Werribee Zoo sorry, has got, I think it's five or six uh, giraffe, and they're all males. It's like a bachelor pad going on there, uh, which is more for... Party. Yeah, it's it's a like a for storage purposes, I suppose. Um, okay. Until they can find, you know, different bits and pieces to, um, to to breed them with and with the with the uh, regional stud books and that sort of stuff, they want to make sure that there's no inbreeding or anything like that going on. Yeah. Melbourne Zoo did have a uh, bongo at one stage as well, which is a species of antelope, quite a cool species of antelope. Kind of imagine like orange and white stripes, um, and a real big animal, like almost like the size of a cow height wise, but lean. Um, but I believe that has since passed as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we mentioned the peccaries already. Uh, that's an interesting group. There's not many of those left. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I don't think it's a breeding group either. So I would suggest that they're probably going to unfortunately die out soon, uh, into the region, which is very unfortunate, but, uh, it does happen. It has happened historically quite a bit uh, in Melbourne Zoo's hands, unfortunately, to a lot of different species. Uh, the black and white ruffed lemurs, which I mentioned briefly, there's about 35 of them in Australia. Uh, Melbourne Zoo has two. I am not sure about the specifics of the group there. Um, I think there's only two of them, though. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, tamarins, emperor tamarins, uh, and cotton top tamarins uh, are both held at Melbourne Zoo. They love their tamarind species uh, and any of those smaller monkey species. Um, they've got that whole area dedicated to that. Although it does seem to be a reoccurring trend that they're just splitting up groups now rather than getting new species. So like they've got, I think it's like six or seven setups and they've just started splitting up bigger groups into individual cages rather than getting a new species from somewhere else and putting it in an existing cage. Oh, um, okay. Which is an interesting choice. They also had for a time there on one of the end cages, they had 
think it was African greys for a little bit, African grey parrots. Um, yep. And then that got changed to crimson-bellied conyers, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with the rest of what's around there, but uh, birds, I don't know. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, Melbourne Zoo loves their Bolivian squirrel monkeys. They feature heavily in the Ranger Kids area, which is just like a, a dedicated kids area. Um, uh, for viewing purposes. Uh, what else we've got? Spider monkeys. They're a fantastic species. They're always out and about. White and black Columbus. Um, from memory, they're a very long-tailed species uh, of monkey. They're quite an interesting one. Or primate. I don't know, one of the two. Um, but yeah, Melbourne Zoo's got a few of them as well. Uh, we mentioned the mandrels that have since passed away, unfortunately, uh, in, in Melbourne, at Melbourne. Um, the Hamadrias baboons, that's the one that I was talking about. Those things don't stop rooting. Oh, my God. Every time you go, there's a new child. Apparently, I, I heard this story the other day that they started giving birth control to one of the females, and obviously they did it too late because she popped out a baby beforehand. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten that bad, hasn't it? <laughs> that group over there is huge. Like, I reckon there's maybe... 10, 15 animals there, something like that. And it's always oh, growing. Wow. Always growing. Shit. It's nuts. I mentioned the Siamang, Simiangs, uh, however you say it. Uh, there's a small group of those. White-cheeked gibbons. That's, they're, they're quite a good species, actually. Quite an interesting species, those guys. Um, they, I think there's two pairs of them now at the moment at Melbourne Zoo. There's definitely a pair, um, and they're, they're uh, genetically distinct pairs as well from memory. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that goes uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, Melbourne Zoo is also home to some, uh, both a Sumatran or a, or a couple Sumatran, one Sumatran uh, orangutan and two hybrid orangutans. So there's two different species of orangutan. Uh, the Sumatran and oh, what's the other species? Da, 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 da. Um, I can't think of it right now. That's bad. Um, anyway, there's two different species of uh, orangutans, uh, but in Australian collections, they were frequently uh, crossed or hybridised. Um, unfortunately, that's just what happens when taxonomy occurs concurrently with zoo breeding operations. Um, and sometimes zoos just prefer to have an animal rather than whether or not it's pure. Um, that's the way it is. Uh, of course, something like orangutan as well is going to be a, a big draw card animal for a lot of people. So I suppose that outweighs some of it, I guess. Um, but uh, the hybrid orangutans are non-breeding animals uh, nowadays. Um, that Zoos Vic group seems to have dwindled quite a bit over the years. I can vividly remember there used to be a lot, a lot of them. Um, here we go. That would make sense. Uh, so Sydney Zoo uh, received three animals which came from Melbourne Zoo in July of 2019. So that would be why uh, I remember them being a lot more orangutans. Uh, there you go. We're, we're learning things on the spot, Dane. How about that, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Um, alrighty. Uh, chimps is not something kept at Melbourne Zoo now. They were previously. I can, I don't know if this is my memory playing tricks on me, but I feel like I can vaguely remember there being a chimp enclosure just without chimps. 
because they that says here that they were last held in 1993, but I swear I can remember a, a chimp enclosure. I don't know. Oh, it again. might have been possible before they put something else in it. Yeah, again, maybe that's just my uh, memory playing tricks on me. Who knows? Uh, Western Lowlands Gorilla, there's quite a few at Melbourne Zoo. Um, and uh, Werribee holds the surplus boys. Uh, that bachelor pad at Werribee Zoo, I've got a story about them, but we'll save that for another episode. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, generic African lions, they're called. Uh, basically what that means is that it's a unknown subspecies, probably a mixture of subspecies of lions because there's a few different subspecies of African lions. Uh, Melbourne Zoo has three boys, I believe, or at least two from memory. Uh, they were bred at uh, Werribee Zoo. So Werribee Zoo's got quite a large breeding operation down there. Uh, quite a successful one over the last couple of years as well. And they've cross-pollinated animals as well. Uh, I'm not sure if you would re remember, Dane, or if you uh, were there at the time. Zoos Vic used to have, and it's still, although it's probably a bit archaic now, it's one of my favourite exhibits that I've seen uh, for their African lions and their wild dogs. They would have a split partition down the middle, and it was this yep. massive, like almost like an aviary with a walkway over the top. So you'd walk up the ah. stairs and walk over the top of the animals. Yes, I remember that, actually. It's such but a that, fantastic... No, no, it's such a fantastic exhibit. But to be fair, in saying that, what they've done since is just as bit better. Um, what they have since done is... You know how there used to be all of the um, all of the predators in the back where the bear was, there was snow leopards, tigers? Yes. Um, what else was there? I think... I, I vaguely remember there being a wolf but I don't know if that's yeah. correct or not. I feel like you're probably right on that one. I feel like there might have been a wolf of some type. Yeah, because I can vaguely remember someone coming out with a wolf on a leash at like the end of the day one, one time I was there, very, very young. So I don't know, maybe we'll find, we'll find out in a couple of minutes, maybe, who knows, uh, as we go through the list of exotic mammals in Australian zoos. Um, yes. Anyway, um, so that area... Basically, they demolished that, and that's where the turtles used to be. Was in they had an island uh, with a, a river going around it, or a, like a moat, I suppose, which had siamangs, simiangs, on the island, and I think lemurs at one stage as well were on that island. Um, and then around it was the squillions and squillions of turtles swimming around all the Murray Rivers uh, and Eastern Longies. They've since ah. been moved. The turtles have since been moved to the Japanese Garden, which is in. Uh, in a similar sort of spot, actually, I don't think it's, I don't think they really moved much to be honest. Uh, but all of the predators have gotten a, uh, recently got a massive upgrade into a more naturalistic and practical setup, uh, which has formed the new predator area, I suppose, which is really fantastic to go and see as well. We might have to do that trip sometime soon once everything calms down, Danio. Um, because that is quite a nice exhibit to see. It's very, very clean. They've got it broken up into different groups as well. So you've got like the African stuff at the front. So you've got the lions and the wild dogs. And then what well, you would have walked into a little room, which has the Philippines crocodile, but now that's of course got the retic, the blood python and the beauty snake yeah. and some butterflies and stuff like that. It also has a ball python and some chameleons and some green tree frogs in little tanks off to the side. Um, and then you sort of go around the corner and it's got this like, uh, caged caged cats thing like talking about the impact of uh cats on 
native wildlife and that sort of stuff, which is really fantastic. Like it's really well done. Very easy to understand for most people that, you know, may or may not understand what their cats do uh, when they're out and about. Um, and then you go around the corner and there's the snow leopard, a couple of the snow leopard cages and they are fantastic. Honestly, um, they, they put a lot of emphasis on making the enclosures for the animals rather than making them for the people. So you don't always see them, but the enclosures are set up specifically for the intention was to breed them. And they've been very successful with that over the last couple of years as well. Yep. Uh, and then they've got a couple of their tigers. They've moved them into a new setup, the, the Sumatran tigers. Um, but uh, they haven't moved all of them. I believe one or two of them are still in the old tiger enclosure. Um, and then there's a couple in the, the newer one as well. I think they might have three or four tigers from memory. Um, but that is quite an aged group, I believe, um, as well. So, yeah, that's been a, one of those recent upgrades, I suppose. Uh, da, 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 da. What else is here? Carcool. I feel like I can, re I can remember a uh, caracal. Sorry, I feel like I can remember seeing them there. Uh, sent to Melbourne Zoo in two thousand eight, where he died in late twenty thirteen. That would make sense. That lines up roughly with me going to Melbourne Zoo. So I, I feel like I can remember that species being there. There was recently six or nine of that species uh, imported into Australia, um, although. I don't think any of the places have come forward with where they got them from yet. So that will be interesting uh, to see. Uh, da, 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 what else have we got? There used to be bears. There used to be a bear. Uh, at No, there used to be two of them at Melbourne Zoo as well. That was an interesting setup. That was very uh, rock, like naturalistic rock work done in that setup as well, which was quite, quite cool to see but unfortunately that individual has since passed as well uh african hunting dogs or painted wild dog african wild dogs whatever you want to call them there's uh, a small group of them um but again i think that's also an aging population which may or may not uh be around for much longer um i believe the werribee zoo pack is reducing its numbers as well from memory. Uh, but again, we'll have to check that one. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, the small clawed otters, of course. Uh, they've had success recently um, with breeding uh, those otters as well. They're a fan favorite. Everybody loves an otter. My dad always tells the same dad joke about the otters. He goes, is it one or the otter one? <laughs> Every single time without fail. He loves them. <laughs> he fiends for that joke, and that is all. Oh, jeez. One, uh, I thought, while we, while we were talking about meerkats, I forgot to mention an interesting point, uh, that Melbourne Zoo actually has got a setup at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. Uh, yes, with that's some, true. some meerkats as well. Uh, and during the uh, COVID lockdowns, they actually had to bring them, take them from the hospital and take them into uh, Melbourne Zoo just to... to you know, make sure the upkeep was right. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Unfortunately with, they couldn't have, I think it was something to do with people coming into the hospital. So yeah, they just, they just made a, a blanket. All right, we'll take them for now. And then once everything calms down, we'll bring them back. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's quite an interesting uh, dynamic there. Something a bit different, I suppose that you don't see every day. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Binturongs. They're 
no longer kept at Melbourne, but they, I do remember where they used to be. They used to be uh, just outside, uh, looking into the bull elephant enclosure. Uh, there used to be a, a little reptile house. I think there still is too. Uh, that had like stick insects, Fijian crested iguanas, and Boyd's forest dragons from memory. And then just outside of that was a very dark enclosure set up for a binturong, although you could rarely see it. A binturong kind of looks like a big fluffy cat, black fluffy cat, kind of, sort of. Um, if you don't know what that looks like, feel free to give it a Google search and have a look. They're quite an interesting species, uh, but they're no longer held at Melbourne Zoo, unfortunately. Red pandas, there's plenty of them at Melbourne Zoo. They've done very well with breeding those um, as well. Uh, Brown-nosed coatis, uh, they are also in fairly well, num fairly good numbers uh, at Melbourne Zoo as well. Um, from memory, uh, I'm just reading here. No, actually, I did see a, a thread about these guys the, during the week. There's only three of them left, and they're non-breeding animals. Um, and basically, almost all of the coatis in the region are related to these guys. So. They're in a bit of a genetic bottleneck <laughs> in in <laughs> Australia at the moment. Uh, and with no imports uh, sort of rumoured at the moment, it's not looking good for them, uh, unfortunately. What else have we got? Um, let's see. Goodfellows tree kangaroos, of course. Everyone's got to have a tree kangaroo of some description. What else have we got here? Let's see. What are the things that have recently died out? Because again, I could have sworn that there was a wolf of some description. It was either a wolf or a dingo, but I feel like it was a wolf. No, I don't think it would have been a dingo. Yeah. Melbourne Zoo used to have, for, for context for some people, Melbourne Zoo used to have a fantastic array of predators uh things like uh different types of leopards jaguars pumas you know all sorts of different stuff all the way through to bobcats they used to have heaps of different uh different animals you know different different species um but uh, of course as time goes on they have to make decisions, unfortunately, um, and some things go by the wayside or they decided that they are not to be bred. Uh, coyote? No, early 80s, that's not looking good. I don't know, maybe we're imagining it, Dane. Who knows? Maybe it was actually like that's a husky right. for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> With how luck it probably is. <laughs> Just because. Let's see. Wolf. Uh, maned wolves, no. Arctic wolves, no. Yeah, maybe we're yeah, imagining it. Who knows? Who knows? Um, let's see. On the bird front, I think bird front was it's all going to be penguins. Um, although that can be a, gr a bit of a grey area, I suppose. Uh, Melbourne Zoo has Fjordland penguins, uh, which both came in as uh, stowaways uh, from the Wannington Peninsula. Uh, I, th I think this species is actually from supposed to be from New Zealand or something like that. Like it's not supposed to be found in Australian, let alone Victorian waters. And they just turned up in Mornington Peninsula. So Zuzvik uh, recognized that they were not healthy and decided probably best to take them in. Um, okay. And, you know, keep them 
for, for the time being until they fix themselves up. Alrighty, now we're going to talk about our favourite subject, which is exotic amphibians and reptiles. Zuzvik has got an array of species, uh, things that, uh, for, for me being the zoo-goer that I am, seemed incredibly common uh, in, in Australia, in the region, but uh, I've since found out outside of Australia are quite rare, things like Fijian crested iguanas that are a CITES listed species that aren't very commonly kept overseas are a dime a dozen in Australian zoos. At least that's uh, from my experience. There's a lot of them and they're in quite a few different collections as well. Uh, so the first example is the Philippine crocodile. Obviously we mentioned that uh, earlier on there is two individual or there was two individuals kept at Melbourne Zoo and they were bred a couple of years ago. Um, unfortunately, Melbourne Zoo decided they were not going to hold back any individuals from that. The female has since passed away, so there is only a male left at Zoo's Vic Melbourne Zoo. Uh, so whether or not that will be uh, an import will occur over the next couple of years, hopefully, because um, it would be good to see some more Philippines crocodiles and just more yeah. exotic crocodiles in general. There is freshwater crocodiles held at Zoo's Vic as well, but I don't know. I feel like you could use the space a bit better for exotics, I think. You know, things like caimans or some of the smaller alligator species. I don't know, just something different, you know, because um, most parks are going to have freshwater crocodiles. It's one of those, even Werribee Zoo has freshwater crocodiles, baby ones at that. But, you know, everywhere's going to have freshwater crocodiles. If you're going to be different, I suppose, I would I, I would go for something a little bit different in that case. Uh, what else have we got? Chinese box turtles, Mississippi map turtles, spiny terrapins, we mentioned those, painted wood turtles, California box turtles, Aldabran giant tortoises, there you go, the Aldabrans, star tortoises, there's heaps of them, elongated tortoises, they're pretty popular as well, uh, Herman's tortoise, and the Hornsfield tortoise, which is a single female, that's not looking good, because that's the only one in the region. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Same with these twist neck turtles. Uh, that's four males. That's also not looking good. Um, Philippine sailfin water dragons. They are fantastic. Have you seen them before, Dane? Um, I, I think I might have. Yeah. Let me, let, uh, let me, let me, at, not in zoo, let me at least paint the picture for you. Imagine a black and gold animal with a prehistoric tail fin. They're just, Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, just incredible, yeah. You know, oh, because I'm screen sharing. I'll do a quick Google search for you, so you can. Have yeah, I believe I have. Look like. I believe I have seen them on my feed before, not that all that long ago, actually. Yeah, I have seen them. They're just archaic animals, and I love them. It's fantastic that Zuzvik has got a decent group of them, and I think males and females as well. So, hopefully, they stick around for a while. Veiled chameleons. Yeah, they're one of those ones that's everywhere in Australia, in Australian zoos, that is. Uh, although there have been a few that have popped up in places they're not supposed to, uh, from yeah. reports that I've heard. Uh, that's an, an interesting kettle of fish. That's a whole other kettle of fish to tonight's discussion. Uh, they've got toke geckos, Madagascan giant day geckos, which are an incredible species. Basically, imagine like your hand, right? A bright green gecko about that big. Just insane. Oh, wow. They're fantastic. Um, Killer monsters, again, that's a common one in Australian zoos. Everybody loves a killer monster, even though they really don't do a whole lot. I don't really see the appeal personally, but hey, it is what it is. 
basilisks. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's something different, and it's a, yeah, the venomous lizard element. The basilisks, the Jesus lizards, whoever you talk to, depends on what you call them. They're pretty cool. Uh, what else have we got? Fijian crested iguanas, which I mentioned before. Rhino iguanas, again, there's a pair of them held at Zuzvik, I believe. Maybe a few more off display as well. Um, they're housed with either star tortoises or elongated tortoises from memory. Uh, which is an interesting mix, but that seems to work out well. Uh, one thing that Zuzvik loves to do in their reptile houses is a bit of cohab, uh, which seemingly works out quite well from all the reports that I've seen. Uh, Dumeril's boas, which is, oh, I tell you, that's a, that's a lovely species, that is. They're, they're quite cool. Um, if you go to Werribee Zoo and go to their excuse of a reptile house, which is not a whole lot, it's basically just <laughs> tanks of Dumeril's boas because someone accidentally bred them a few years ago. Um, mm. Yeah, that's a whole nother story, that one. Rainbow boas, which I, I fortunately have seen that individual on display, um, which I'm quite privileged to say that I have seen that animal on display at the, at the zoo. Uh, Kenyan sand boa, blood python, uh, which is living with the retic. Uh, and a beauty snake, I believe, a Taiwan beauty snake. That's the one. The uh, one of the one of two in the region. There you go. Um, what else have we got? Ball pythons, of course, because that's what people want to see for some unknown reason. I've got to say, they've got to be one of the most boring snakes I've ever looked at. Like going to zoos and seeing a ball python really doesn't do it for me. Like they do nothing. They do nothing. Yeah, but like we don't have them as pets in Australia. I know it's such commonplace, you know, over the internet and overseas. It's just, you know, personally, I've never seen a ball python. Uh, so it's well, oh, have, have I got news for you? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, I think two or three of them at Melbourne Zoo, uh, and oh, all well, they, okay. believe it or not, as the name suggests, all they do is sit in the ball. Way. Makes sense. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll tell you what, it'd be a rare sighting to see a ball python doing anything other than sitting in a ball at Zoo's Vic Melbourne Zoo. I'll tell you that much. Corn snakes, of course, everyone's got to have a corn snake at a display because everybody in Australia sees them as pets overseas. Um, and a lot of parks have them uh, through different streams that they've gotten those animals as well, which is another story for another day. As we mentioned, the king snakes and the milk snakes, which are only kept at Melbourne Zoo. Uh, what else have we got? Monocled cobra, uh, which is quite a cool species. The cantil, which is the viper, and the eyelash vipers. Oh, the eyelash vipers. Oh, let's talk about those for a minute, shall we? They are phenomenal. Um, that group has recently uh, reduced, I believe, because from memory, I can remember at least two or three on display. Um at probably five or six years ago. Now there is apparently only one female, but they are stunning animals. Oh, I tell you what, they come in like three or four different colors, ranging from uh, green to yellow to orange to like a reddy to even blue, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm not very well versed with my vipers, but they're just a fantastic species. Honestly, they just look incredible. And of course, everybody's favourite, the Eastern Diamondback Rattlesnake. Because why not? Those things um, are mean. <laughs> yeah, I 
I've ha heard many reports of people walking into to service Diamondback enclosures for, from zookeepers and just hearing the rattle as you walk in. It's quite oh. the experience. Um, so that is the, the main species held at uh, Zoo's Vic Melbourne Zoo. I think I also wanted to touch on um, some of the uh, breeding adventures that Melbourne Zoo has uh, gone on. Um, so if we go to the Zoo's Victoria website, they've got a list of, I think it's 21 or 29, it might have even blown out to, uh, local endangered species that they work with uh, across their parks. Um, 27 species, there you go. Um, so Zoo's Vic itself uh, holds quite a few of uh, a few of those most of those species are held in um other parks uh so zoos vic has got the bore frogs uh what else have they got the giant burrowing frogs i believe are at zoos vic as well uh the eelis dragons that's not the victorian type that we were talking about earlier um yep. that's held um but i think it's a relative of or something like that. I'm not too sure how that all works. Someone with a bit more knowledge in earless dragons might have to let us know about that one. And we'll mention that on the next episode. Um, large brown tree frog. Gee, that's an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate name. What's the, what's the scientific name on that one? Just so people have a bit more of a better understanding of what that is. Shall we? Let's have a look. I'm guessing it's going to be a Latoria. Yeah. Latoria little John eye. Wow. There you go. That's, <laughs> That's a that's a species held at Zuzvik. Uh That's not one that I've seen personally that I can remember. Uh, Lord Howe Island stick insects. Oh, that is a story of conservation and a half. That one, Melbourne Zoo, is a major major component of why that species is still around. So Lord Howe Island oh, wow. is a very very small island um, off the coast of New South Wales or Queensland, I believe somewhere around there from memory. Um, so essentially what happened was uh, through European settlement, rats were introduced to the island where this stick insect was found and decimated the population to the point where yeah. they found, oh, how was the story? I think it was one or two gravid females and brought them in to captivity. And of course, being a stick insect, they have a lot of babies. A lot of babies. <laughs> um, and Melbourne Zoo has been a huge component of getting that species back. Uh, and they've worked on uh, reducing the rat numbers to the point where I'm pretty sure they're almost, if not completely eradicated from that island nowadays. Uh, and the stick insects are doing relatively well down there as well. They're, they're, they're a very cool animal. I have had the chance to be quite close up to some of them. They're like a jet black stick insect that's every bit the size of your hand. Just oh, wow, okay. a bit, real big insect and they're, they're very cool. Very cool. Oh, we love um, the story. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Corroboree frogs, they're kept across most of those zoos, Vic zoos. Uh, not Werribee, sorry. Uh, Hillsville and Melbourne, I believe, have got populations of those. Spotted tree frogs. This one's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I've got a story time about that, but well, I think we'll save that for the next episode for uh, the people. Uh, the stuttering barred frog, the particularly the southern population. That's another one of those success stories from uh, Melbourne Zoo. 
another one that's not on this list that's not necessarily an endangered species is the oh i want to say the holy cross frog i think they're called um let me check that one really quickly um zoos vic managed to breed uh what is it let's see holy cross let's see don't mind me lhs yeah lilydale high has some yep holy cross frogs yeah. there you go uh these guys here basically are rarely bred in captive settings uh they have very particular requirements because of where they're from um the story goes that Zuzvik played thunderstorm noises for them <laughs> to get them to get them <laughs> really? going. Yeah, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly that's what happened, um, which is quite an interesting, interesting suggestion. Uh, but that yeah. is very interesting. And they got them going, and now LHS has got some of those, and is going to get some more apparently as well, which is quite exciting to see that species get out and about more as well. Um, Alrighty, what else is there to say about Zuzvik? I think that's about everything from Melbourne Zoo. It's a fantastic park. I must say it's got to be one of my favourites, uh, certainly of the Victorian zoos um, and probably one of the best in the country that I have been to as well. Um, uh, what, what? How many did we say I've been to, Dane? What was it? 20-something, I think. Let's see. Let me yes, get my list. <laughs> let me let me go to my list, shall we? Uh, zoos across the country. Here we go. It's One, definitely a park I'll have to go back to. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-two. There you go. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, uh, for those that don't know, my childhood was basically doing zoo trips. That was basically school holidays. Was How many zoos can we fit in a two-week period? <laughs> so um, I'm slowly but surely ticking off as many Australian zoos and wildlife parks as I can. Um, and we're getting there, slowly but surely. Uh, I think I need to go and hit up SA and ACT soon. Uh, when the world decides to calm down a little bit because I haven't seen any zoos in those areas. And Tassie as well. I need to go down to see our Tasmanian brethren and see what's going on down there too. Um, but anyway, I think that will just about do us for the uh, Melbourne Zoo discussion. If you want any further information about Melbourne Zoo, feel free to send me a message. Um, or feel free to have a look at the Zuzvik website. Uh, it's fantastically well put together, pretty straightforward as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose that will that will do us for today's episode. Dane, anything else you wanted to add? Um, looks like we've got to go back to Melbourne Zoo. <laughs> yeah, mate. I think it's I think it's time for it. Hey, yeah, but 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 but, but. you can't go to Melbourne Zoo and not have the infamous Festuca tour. Oh, of course. I tell you, this is this is a world renowned unofficial zoo tour by yours truly where you will gain as much knowledge as possible i tell you don't worry josh i wouldn't go without you put it put it put it this way there have been moments in my lifetime where i have gone on these tours they run these tours and the night before i will go through all of my books 
to oh, well. sponge as much information for the next day as possible. <laughs> it is truly a sight to behold, I tell you. And I know every single nook and cranny of that park. You will not miss a single exhibit, I tell you. Oh, we love it. <laughs> Someone's got to know. Exactly, exactly. You know, you can't miss, you cannot miss the Australian Brush Turkey exhibit. Despite what others may say, again, that's a story for another day. We might go into that one next episode, but uh, All right. yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother story there. Anyway, um, I suppose that will, that will do us for today's uh, episode. Um, if you want to get in touch with us or see what we're up to, uh, you can find me at Josh's Aussie Reptiles uh, on all your social medias and there's a website as well out there. If you can find that, well done. Um, Dane, where can people find you? Uh, at Blue Horizon Reptiles on Instagram and Facebook. There you go. Perfect. Alrighty, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, the show. Uh, feel free to send us a message uh, if you have any questions, queries, concerns, you name it. Uh, I'm sure we can handle it. Probably better if you send them to me. I may be a bit more responsive. No offense, Dane. Um, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd probably second that. Send Josh messages. <laughs> <laughs> it's also because I'm basically glued to this thing like a typical teenager that I am. But anyway, uh, we will leave it here for today. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Adios.